0: I moved to Myanmar and I think it was one of our best experiences ever to live in Myanmar because it's really different. It's a wonderful country, people are very nice. Yeah, it's really something special.
1: Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. My beautiful guest today is a very, very old friend. Not because she's very, very old, but because we've known each other for a long time. Her name today is Simone Lujon, but in my time, I used to know her as Simone Deneria. And we started off together as accompanying tour guides for Kwani travel. We did the tour guides training course together. And um, I want to welcome Simone. She lives in Cambodia. And I want to go down memory lane with you. Do you remember the Kwani tour guide course? <laughs> <laughs> Good afternoon, my dear Elizabeth. It's
0: a pleasure to be on your podcast and I hope you can help me for all these memories because uh, it's not so easy. If I may just in a small bracket, how do you remember all that? Did you write down everything or what?
1: I didn't write down so much, but I probably just have a very good memory. I don't know how um, I talked about it a lot. I used to talk about it to my kids and I probably told the same story a million times, got on their nerves. But yes, I do remember a lot. But um, we did do that course together and it was we learned a lot. Did we learn? But you had been doing tours before. I had been working as a tour guide before, right?
0: Yes. So the, the thing is, actually, it was a university uh, holiday. I needed to find a job to pay for my studies. And I had this friend, I don't know if you remember, Jacques Müller, who was from Fribourg. And he told me, ah, well, why not? Let's go for, uh, for Quigny because they are hiring two leaders who speak Swiss Roman. Uh Because at the time, the Swiss-German, you were all over Switzerland. And we had clients from the French part of uh, Switzerland. And they really uh, needed us. And because my mother tongue is Swiss-German, I was born in Bern. But I grew up in Lausanne. It was quite uh, easy for it was quite easy and we were needed at this time i don't remember why it was so difficult to find a tour leader coming from the french part of uh, switzerland and they did a few tours but nothing uh, professional like corny let's say yeah
1: like. we did um you know they also needed a lot more people in the summer because they couldn't yes, exactly em- they couldn't employ everybody full time but they had so many more trips in the summer it was easier to work in the summer and then In the first years, when I was doing more or less full-time tour guiding, I had a lot less work in the winter because there were less trips.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was a part-time,
1: huh? Yeah, so was I. I was always part-time. I used to do all sorts of other, or nothing in between, and go on holiday. (laughs) (laughs) So then what happened? We started our course together. Do you remember your first assignment? Where I went my first trip that I did after I did my course? I was sent to Egypt. Where were you sent? Yes, me too. Did everybody go to Egypt? I think so. Or I don't know why, but
0: I remember it was my first trip. I've never been to Egypt before. I still have this uh, technical report uh, written uh, with a typewriting machine, and we had to go through uh, all the history and everything about Egypt. And it was my first uh, assignment was Egypt. And quite after I went to the U.S., And the cruise on the Rhine. This was not so exotic. (laughs) Very exciting. it, It was Basel, Amsterdam, Basel, with quite elderly people. I remember we had to play cards and stupid games. Nothing so exciting. Than, uh, Egypt. I know,
1: but we always had to pretend that we were having a good time, and we were. Sure. Deep down, we were having a good time. I remember those trips to Egypt, and I also remember that the people who used to ask me on the plane what they have to be careful with about you know, not getting sick, they were always the people who got sick. They already knew in advance that they would catch something. It's so psychological, really. And um, for me, it was the first. I had been on a cruise when I was working in Cyprus. I had been on a one-day cruise to Egypt before, but other than that, I had no idea. And I think this was the fun part of this job. We often went to places where we had never been before, and we had no Google. How did we live without
0: Google? I think we bought also quite many books, uh, but I remember it was still quite stressful. I always had these small knots in my stomach because I was scared if someone in the group will know everything about the Luxor temple, I would feel lost. And I remember also when uh, the clients were asking us question like for about flora or fauna or they always invented words. So <laughs> in Latin, <laughs> saying, okay, this is it. It was <laughs> not true at all. And at the time, they couldn't check.
1: That's right, because this is what I think sometimes, because I imagine if you were on a bus today, you know, Whatever you say, they would be checking, you know, and they would be saying, you know, that's not true what you said. So um, everything has advantages and disadvantages. But even though I think, especially in the U.S. and on all those bus tours, when we were six, seven hours on a bus, it would have been nice to have a phone and to do all the reservations that we had to do in the hotel room afterwards if we could have done them on the bus. But as I said, it's both it goes both ways. I was reading an email that you sent to me about a trip to New York when you went with a group of musicians. What happened? Uh,
0: Yes, it actually, I had uh, not always leisure group, but I had quite often these mice group uh, incentive groups, special groups. And this was the Orchestre de la Suisse Romande. So it's quite famous. And... I don't remember well if it was at uh, Carnegie Hall, but they had a concert and I was going with them. So wonderful flight, uh, Geneva, New York, we landed there. And before the concert, they had a couple of days uh, to spend and we did some round trips, Boston, Washington. It was quite fun, quite younger people, so... Usually we had the elderly people, uh-huh. or you remember. They so the had money. the money. They had the money. And uh, we were walking around in Boston, I think, and we were walking around in a park. Suddenly I heard, wow, someone fall down, someone fall down. And there was um, a guy who fell down. Someone called the ambulance I don't know, maybe from a restaurant or a coffee shop from somewhere. Ambulance arrived, took my guy and went away. And do you remember in the US, um, in the cities, when you call an ambulance, you never know where the ambulance is going. You don't know which hospital the ambulance is going. So I lost my client. <laughs> How did you find he disappeared. him? <laughs> he completely disappeared. And I knew he didn't speak English oh at my the God. time. So actually, this was our main job. It was translating yes. and being with the people. This was the most important part of our job, actually. Not even to know about the country was to translate and to make sure that people did order a coffee. And uh, so he disappeared. So <sighs> my God, the guy, he doesn't know how to say he, his name. Well, he had a
1: heart attack, didn't he? Or I him? almost had a heart attack.
0: <laughs> I went back to the hotel with all my group. We were quite a big group, maybe 60 60 people. I had 60 packs. It was quite a big group uh, alone. Oh, my God. The bus driver was helping a bit, but uh, not much. You remember? They were yes. not so
1: nice. Oh,
0: God. <laughs> And I went back to the hotel and luckily, but maybe four hours later, reception front desk called me and he was able to tell that he was in, the, in that hotel and the hospital called me so we could get him back. Oh, my God. It was so stressful. It was a nightmare.
1: I can imagine you would have had to, I don't know. Put, put him on television or something to find him. <laughs> yeah. What else happened? Do uh, you have any other stories of those? Um... Since we
0: have started to talk again, I remember another story. I did an incredible trip to Moscow and St. Petersburg. Okay. Because I heard you talking about the city breaks in uh, yes. one of your uh, yes. podcasts. It was very interesting, actually. So I was in Moscow with a group maybe of 30 people, uh, quite nice, but it was in 1990, so one year after... Just
1: before the, what do you call it? Um... Le, la chute du mur de Berlin. Ah,
0: yes! <laughs> I hope that everybody <laughs> understands. <laughs> and uh, we had one evening, we could uh, go to the Bolshoi the famous historical theater in Moscow. We had a very nice uh, ballet. It was magical. I was with my group uh, inside. We had very good seats. Intermission arrives. Everybody runs to the toilets. And because I'm a very good tour leader, I wait Uh uh, to be the last one. Intermission is finished. I go back door was closed <laughs> and the lady the security lady there the real Russian uh-huh. tough lady type very tough looked at me and said you cannot go back yet. So it started yes. yet yet finish and she looked at my legs I found it a bit surprising and I said what does she want it took me uh, some minutes to figure out that she wanted what? What? Your tights? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> she wanted my tights, so yes. I had to take out my tights, <laughs> gave it to her, and she let me in. That's crazy. So it was. I was naked legs in
1: Moscow, zero degrees, <laughs> and I had to go back. But to you me. go back in. But this yes. is how it. It was cigarettes. They were like cigarettes. Yes. Jeans, blue jeans and tights. They were very, very, they, they so much wanted pantyhose, it's called in America. So um, yeah, I did a great tour of Russia and I remember somebody had briefed me for this tour and they had told me what to put in my suitcase to, you know, to, to get things It's crazy when you think of how things have changed. I went back to Russia once in 1995 when I was working for a hotel here in Cyprus and I went to a travel fair. So 1995 was quite early and um, I had a great time. It was all different, but it was still it hasn't changed. I would love to go back because it must be so different now. Yes, for sure. Yes. Yes,
0: for sure. And you remember we were going in a restaurant in Moscow and we could buy caviar. Oh, in that restaurant for yes. nothing. Yes. It was yes. like a gray market, let's say. People would market. eat
1: it with a spoon because <laughs> it was so cheap. Yes. Oh God, I know. And I know.
0: Uh, you could whisper to the waiter, okay, one box. And uh-huh. all my clients wanted a box of caviar. Yeah. Yeah. And the waiter was coming behind you, drop the box on your knees of caviar. Mm-hmm. I completely panicked because I had something like 10, 12 kilos of caviar on my knees. (laughs) I didn't know how I would go out from the restaurant. I had only a small bag. I remember that about Moscow. It was crazy. And
1: you see, now that we are talking about this, there is going to be a lot more things coming back to your mind. But um, I want to sort of Move on in your life a little bit, because because you have done a lot of other interesting things. You have you got married. I came to your wedding. I remember it was a beautiful wedding on the hills of Lake Geneva. I don't. What was the
0: place? It was uh, Bierre, Actually, it's a small village where my husband grew up. And after that, we went for the dinner at essertine Yeah, it was beautiful. It's all in the Canton de Vaud, yes. and uh,
1: it was very and nice. Whenever all these years, when Natalie was studying at the Ecole Hôtelier de Lausanne, every time I drove there to see her or to pick her up, I was thinking of that wedding. And you're, you're, and I, yeah. And I'm so glad that we found each other again. It's funny how life works. Maybe COVID. These are all the good sides of COVID because we had more time. We suddenly had more time to sit and think of people that we didn't. You know, we didn't stop seeing them because we wanted to stop seeing them. We stopped seeing them because we all got became too busy.
0: Maybe we, we don't have time. But the best part of a friendship is when we talk together again, uh, maybe one year ago, it was like I was with you all the time.
1: No time has. Well, th- those are the good friends, aren't they? Yeah. This,
0: this is so fun. I, I could recognize everything, your love, your voice, <laughs> your everything and it, <laughs> the, this madness. Is great,
1: actually.
0: <laughs> the madness we had big
1: laughs we did stupid things and... oh yes we did yeah but that's okay it was I always say you know because people have this thing especially you know now that I'm working as a coach and they say this this famous question what would you tell to your 20 year old self I wouldn't want to tell anything to my 20 year old self, because if I didn't do all those stupid things or all this, I wouldn't be the person that I am now. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, they say you have to be young and stupid to become old and wise. Now I'm wise. I'm not old, but I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're beautiful. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> but uh, let's continue. So you had or have three sons. How did that yes.
0: happen? I was traveling a lot uh, after yeah. my master's degree uh, and I traveled with uh, as a tour leader and when I met my husband in 1990 there is something obvious when you meet the man the one. or the yeah. husband I always say that to my sons, don't worry they change you will know when it's a good one and my husband said, oh, listen, when, if you want to get married and if I would like to have children, also me too, yeah. I think it's, uh, it would be better if you stop traveling because yeah. I was traveling all the time. Yeah. Okay, I decided to become a travel agent in a travel agency and uh, I had a job and we had three wonderful uh, boys. We have three boys in four years, so it was quite... Uh, Tough. It was quite tough, but mm-hmm. so fun. And uh, yeah, my sons are now like your kids. Actually, they are. They have almost the same age, and uh, they were all over the world. And now they are all back uh, in Switzerland. One of my sons, my elder son, is here with us in Cambodia. In yeah. South
1: that's what I was going to, to, to point towards because we forgot to say that you are in Cambodia. Yes. So what happened? How did you get to Asia? My husband was working
0: for a flavor and fragrances company based in Geneva, a very famous one. I'm not gonna to say the word. You can say <laughs> it.
1: This is a three,
0: this is a three. No, it, it's quite well known. Okay. And, um, he always wanted to be an expatriate. We wanted to be expatriates, actually. And he got an offer for Princeton, USA, yeah. or Singapore, southeast okay. of Asia. And we decided to go for southeast of Asia. So our kids were small, two, five, and six years old. I put all my furniture in a box And we went with uh, five uh, suitcases uh, to Singapore. We moved to Singapore. And we thought we will stay for two years or three years. My husband had a contract for three years, I think. And we stayed every time we knew and we stayed there for 15 years.
1: So your boys went to school in Singapore. Yes,
0: yes. At a French school, Lycée Francais de Singapour, because this was the closest one from a French school. They have a Swiss-German school, actually. Yeah. But my Swiss-German is, you know, I'm not like you, the first generation. I'm already the second generation of Swiss-German.
1: Your so Swiss-German I- is perfect. It always used to impress <laughs> me. You know, being roman being French-speaking, their German is not... I'm not saying it's not good. Usually there are also people who speak it very well, but it's harder for them. I always feel that it's harder for them to learn, especially Swiss German, because Swiss German is not German. You know, it's no, a different difference, no, no. It's difference between speaking German and Swiss German, and you spoke both. Yeah, it was always a very big asset, actually, yes. for me to speak yes. Swiss German,
0: because the Swiss German would not guess that I'm Swiss French, so uh, yeah, in the opposite yeah. way. So it yeah. was quite interesting.
1: That's very useful, because in my yeah. case, As soon as I open my mouth, whether I speak German, the Germans immediately understand that I'm not German, they understand that I'm Swiss. As soon as I speak French, people immediately understand that I'm not French, even though my French is good. So I'm very good. I don't don't actually speak any language properly.
0: (laughs) It's like me, don't worry. Don't
1: worry. Now, I have come a long way not speaking any of these. Now, I'm only joking. It's, I think. No matter what we have studied, you know, what we have learned in our life, but those languages have always been an asset. They have always... Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. They have gotten us places. So your boys went to school in Singapore. And then what happened? Where did you go after Singapore?
0: I started to work for a DMC, a destination management company. I don't know. It's the company who... With organizing uh, the round trips for travel agencies in Switzerland, in Spain, in Germany, all over. And I started to work for this company. Actually, I was selling round trips to expatriate from Singapore to southeast of Asia. So in 2003, I started to sell trips to Cambodia, Vietnam, Myanmar, Laos, um, yeah and I traveled also there I were often I think every month I would go in one of the country uh, of my region it was really yeah. my playground and traveling is not work for me it's really something about yeah it's just wonderful to discover these countries and to meet these people um, yeah. So, and in 2015, uh, my husband already uh, left Singapore. I stayed in Singapore so Theo, our younger son, could finish his studies, his uh, baccalaureate. Yes, his A-levels, it would be in English. Yeah, whatever you
1: need to go to a university. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. my husband
0: was working in Myanmar, in Yangon. So I moved to Myanmar and I think it was one of our... Uh, Best experience ever to live in Myanmar because it's really different. It's a wonderful country. People are very nice. Yeah, it's really something special. And all the clients that I welcomed there because I was in charge of our office in Yangon, they would leave this country with tears in the eyes. So it's really something very yeah. Yeah. I'm sure everybody who went to Myanmar has something special. To I tell. only
1: went once for a week and I want to go back. There are so many places that I want to go back to because I worked for a very short period out of Bangkok. I went to, to all those four countries, but just once. And once for a week is not enough to get no, to. No, it's in. not enough. So wh- what happened and how did you end up in Cambodia? Yeah,
0: because <laughs> in,
1: <laughs> why not? We
0: wanted to buy a land. I don't know. When you work in hospitality, when you work in with tourism and travel, I was inspecting, let's say, uh, 150 hotels per year. Yeah. Always be visiting. And so you could tell, okay, this hotel is nice or not. And I think at one point, maybe it's better to buy uh, land to build a hotel than to buy a chalet in Verbier. It's almost the same price, you see. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, we wanted to buy land in Myanmar first, but there was a revolution, monk revolution. There was a Nargis typhoon in 2007, 2008. So we decided to go to Cambodia. It's really something special. Cambodia has a long history, a sad history, Mm -hmm. but people are very nice. They smile a lot. And I was always impressed by the Angkor Wat temples, by the temples, by the oh, history of these yes. temples. I yeah. really fall in love, you see. Yeah. You were telling in one of your podcasts, it's uh, you found a book in a bookshop in the U.S. who changed yes. your life. That's for me, correct. I think it's the temples. <laughs> that, isn't see? that
1: amazing, though, these moments in life that changed something for you? I think it's interesting to look back at life once in a while and wonder, you know, what happened? When did it happen? And so it was Angkor Wat in your case.
0: Yeah, it was the temples. Yeah. And uh, so we bought the land and built a hotel. And uh, since then, uh, voila. And uh, Cambodia is our base, but I was working in Myanmar and in Vietnam after, in in Ho Chi Minh City. But since the pandemic, since the pandemic, I don't want to say the word anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, we were all tired of it.
0: I was quite lucky because uh, I took a plane on the 14th of March, the 16th of March, they closed the borders so I could come back to Cambodia.
1: So you, yeah, well I don't know if you heard this because I took a plane on the 11th of March and I flew to Argentina. Yes,
0: sir. I remember because I remember because my son was in Colombia in the and same time was, as your daughter.
1: Where is she going? Anyway, that's another story. That's going to be another episode. But uh, it was an interesting experience, and I'm <laughs> so glad I went because it's part of being a little crazy. Only me, yeah. but so Cambodia is your home at the moment, and you, yes. you like you didn't really have much choice, did you, in the, the last year?
0: No, not really. And we are waiting for the tourists to come back. Uh, Yeah. On the other hand, the temples are empty. It's really sad. And um, people are struggling. Actually, they start to struggle a bit. What is incredible is that, you know, in all these Buddhist countries, and especially also in Southeast Asia, the people help each other a lot. So uh, most of the employees, the hotel employees or restaurant employees went back to their provinces or to their family, they lived together and they help each other like that. But it's a tragedy, it's a nightmare yeah. and uh, wow. we have no income, no help from governments. Uh, so uh, we just try to survive like yeah, yeah yeah
1: it's going to take years until all this recovers fully and um, I think hopefully we are on the other side I think we are on the second half and hopefully it will end and we, we will be able to travel again because you and I have to get together somewhere because funny enough also <laughs> Exactly. Even though we haven't seen each other for so long, our children, my daughter and your two sons went to the same university. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but not the same years. I think I think they were a couple of years. It, it, wouldn't it have been funny if we had actually met at the school one day? That would have been. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I would have recognized you. <laughs> of course. Of course. We haven't changed. We said that before. So tell me now, out of all the countries in Southeast Asia, which one is your favorite?
0: Often the clients or the tourists. I sound welcome. like a tourist sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, I love the word tourist. You know that. Because it's. I love that word. I don't know why people always see this negative part of tourist, but tourist is a tour. And tour is wonderful because it's traveling. So it's very nice. Life
1: is a tour. One of the reasons why I'm calling my podcast most memorable journeys is because I don't only want to talk about journeys as in travel. I want to talk about journey, the journey of life, because, you know, like, especially us who have our journey is our life has been a real journey. Everybody's life has been a journey, but when you think of all the traveling that we've done, it was a journey. So which one is the, famous, the favorite the favorite country?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't think there is something special to each country and you have another relation with for you, Cyprus, because you, can you cannot like un- I always very...
1: I cannot answer this question. People ask me that. And I think you, you can't. There is something special about every country exactly and there is something you love about every country. there's actually very few countries in the world where I would have said you know I really don't want to go back here or I I wouldn't even want to say that because every people have and I think that's another thing the way it's how you look at life you can always find good people or you can find bad people I think it depends a little bit on you doesn't it
0: yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. It depends also in which kind of mind you are when you are traveling. And uh, I remember uh, a trip in uh, Japan. Everybody is praising Japan as the most wonderful uh, country. For me, it wasn't really because I was sick almost all the time. And uh, you see these kind of things and you don't see the country the same way. And also when you are working in a country, I think it's completely different because you have really another relationship with the people. When you are a a tourist, it's sometimes difficult to experience, even if everybody wants that, experience the authenticity of a country. It's much more difficult. But when you work with them, you have another approach. And uh, maybe, uh, yeah, you are also... um, Respected differently, and now with our old age, you can figure out here in southeast of Asia. When you are 59, 60 years old, you are a very, very old lady. I know. Respect you a lot, yes. a lot, a lot. So uh, it's quite <laughs> nice. Actually, this is a good part
1: of aging. The good part of being old. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yes, this is true. But, um, you know, just coming back to tourism and to the one thing that I noticed very often was that people who had a lot of money, um, you know, money doesn't buy you happiness. I often had people who were very rich or who had a lot of money and who who were miserable. They didn't enjoy this trip that they paid so much money for. You know, they were looking for something to complain about. And uh, I mean, those were really, really good trips. Those were good hotels. But I think if you want to find something negative, you can always find something negative. And if you want to find something positive, you can find something positive. I don't know if
0: it's related to money because you have very rich people who enjoy a lot and uh, you have people... uh, I think it's really about...
1: It's an, it's an attitude.
0: It's an attitude. how You see, we always say in the tourism industry, we don't like the clients from Christmas. Because Christmas, you pay a lot. Yeah. The, uh, flight tickets are very expensive. You are so stressed by before the trip, uh, the Christmas gift, uh, family gatherings, and you arrive in Southeast of Asia. And I can bet you every time I see a client entering in a hotel or I welcome a client in a group, I can tell this one looks so tired. In two days, he is sick. Mm. And they are sick because the food is not the same. Because it's very hot. And... It's very humid in our countries and they are... uh, So their uh,
1: immune system from all the stress that they had before the trip is so low that uh, they cannot handle all these changes. Isn't that interesting though? Yeah, yeah, I'm quite sure. And the other
0: thing is the malaria medication. Okay. I had awful clients complaining about everything. My first question to them always is, are you under Lariam or Fonzida, this special medication yeah. for malaria, because yeah. it has second effects and you are miserable? Oh no! So, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I haven't been to any of these countries now for quite a while. You, you know, because uh, vaccinations, well, mal- malaria yeah. medication, all sorts of things. Interesting, interesting. Oh, so I will good. come. I'm going to come and visit you. I but, would.
0: Uh, Love to welcome you in Cambodia. <laughs> I dream
1: happen. about
0: saying, welcome to Cambodia. <laughs> you will. Safe trip.
1: <laughs> Hang in there. You will say it soon again. It's going to be fine. We're going to be fine. So tell me, we're going to... We're, I'm just looking at the time. We are coming towards the end of this interview. Where is Sibon de d'Eneria going to get old? You're not old. I mean, even if the Asians think that you're an old lady, you're a very young lady. But where will you spend your older years when you don't want to work anymore? Where will you retire?
0: I will not start a, a political discussion about Southeast of Asia, but uh, there is a lot happening in our zone uh, with Many political issues. Actually, the Southeast Asia is changing. Is going there quite, uh, yeah. Is going to a development, and luckily it's good because it's uh, there are poor countries on the, yeah. the ranking is very low in the on worldwide. I think we will come back to Switzerland. We will fly back to Switzerland and uh, stay in Switzerland because. Um, And maybe travel. And since I have discovered Airbnb or this kind of uh, houses, uh, rental of houses, I think we can travel, stay for three months in Cyprus and go to South Africa for two months. This has changed the world. You don't need to own a house uh, abroad. You can travel easily. And uh, I think we will come back to, to Switzerland, but maybe more because... The southeast of Asia that we have discovered is changing and is changing fast, and uh, it's good, huh? it's not, uh, yeah. I'm not saying bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. Uh, yeah, there is uh, time for everything, I think.
1: That's very true, that's very true. So, yeah, any last words, anything else that you remember, anything that um, that you want to tell me, or otherwise, I am going to
0: this interview. Yeah, it was very nice to talk uh, with you. I think everything in life is about friendship. I have wonderful friends in Switzerland that uh, I still have uh, today. And it's very important to keep uh, all the relation uh, with friends because uh, it helps you to go further. To And so you have also friends all over the world where you can travel to and i really hope uh, (laughs) hope that soon we can go into this metallic uh, plane you remember yes i remember
1: you know those tubes. i do remember uh, because i say at the beginning of my podcast my favorite smell is airplane kerosene And my favorite sound is hearing the pop of a champagne cork in business class. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Me too. (laughs) But um, it will look. I think it's all good. We have all hopefully also learned our lesson. One thing that I say is that I will not be traveling the same way ever again. I will be much more grateful. I will appreciate every single flight that I go on. And I also maybe will think a little bit more about you know flying so much do a little less because some things can be done without the trip so um maybe choose a little better because of mother earth and um yeah and that's just so sure. and uh, yes you are so right about friendship it's the most important it's about um sharing a good time and also being there in you know when there is some carrying each other through life i think that's what friends are for yeah, yeah, and
0: that's I- for sure. And they helped me a lot uh, throughout and they were always coming to the countries where we lived. So, and you know, I love group tours. I love to travel in a group, actually. Uh, so now yeah, it was great. So every year they would come, 20 of them from Switzerland, family and friends, and we would
1: do a round Wonderful, trip, uh, Beautiful. So It's good to share. So, I have really enjoyed talking to you very, very much. Thank you for being with me today, Simone. Thank you, Elisabeth. Merci beaucoup à toi. À bientôt. Bisous. À bientôt. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.